story was just like flowing and then it's like, yeah, and they're gonna have sex. And then it's like, oh, they're gonna have sex. <laughs> Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Today's guest on Steam Scenes is a New York Times and USA Today bestseller of contemporary romance that's hotter than sweet, sweeter than hot. She released her debut novel in 2011 and currently has more than 60, 60 titles under her belt. That's like, holy shit. Including The Christmas Cottage, which was a Hallmark Christmas movie in 2017, which I swear to God, that is like my goal, like a Hallmark or time movie. And I'm like, I always, I'm like, she had a Hallmark Christmas Crazy. <laughs> she's not working on a new story. She spends her time reading romances, playing way too many games of solitaire on Facebook. I'm with you. I do poker. Wearing a tiara while playing with her sassy pug, Lean. I hope I got that right. Yes. <laughs> you might snore during this podcast. And she spends time with her husband of 29 years and their two sons in North Carolina. Welcome, Samantha Chase, to Steam Scenes. It is an honor to have you here. I'm so thank, glad you're here. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me. This is very exciting. Like I, we, were, we were like linking up for the call. Like I'm in my closet. I'm trying to find the best place in the house. To, so I'm sitting in my closet. And so poor Samantha is like looking at me while I'm in my closet. But you know, you know what I think is hysterical about that is talk about like a kind of a fitting place. Like people wouldn't normally talk about like sex scenes out in the wild. Like you almost feel like you have to be secretive about it. So we're talking about it in your closet because we don't want anybody to hear this. Well, I mean, partly that is why. I mean, you know, we're I'm recording this. We're still in the middle of a pandemic and my kid is home doing you know doing her remote learning she'll be back in school next week but i'm like you know she doesn't need to be on a zoom call with her class and hear her mom yakking away in the other room all about sex scenes <laughs> and she's in a new school this year too so how awkward would that be like no i can't do this to her <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> although 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 <laughs> What grade is she? She's a junior in high school. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, the fun you could have. I the know. fun you could have with that. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, so Samantha, I have you here, and I we are going to talk about sex scenes. We're going to talk about writing steam, not writing steam. Um, so I guess let's just start right uh, with like the big question: When did you realize you wanted to become a writer? It's, it always sounds cheesy when I talk about this, but it's, it is the God's honest truth. Third grade, okay? okay? We had to write a short story. And up until that point, I was very much into art and drawing. And like, that was something I, I, I don't know if you could say you're passionate about when you're that young, but it was just something that I always did. And so when we had to write this short story, I was more excited to get to illustrate it. But then I started writing it and I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. And so I, I 
did a little bit of that like all through elementary and middle school and then in high school I hand wrote my first romance novel and I could you still kick have myself it? I don't <laughs> I could kick myself looking back you know but uh but it was just something that I loved and you know back then I didn't know anybody else I shouldn't say I didn't, I didn't know anybody else my seventh grade lab partner is the one that got me hooked on Harlequin romances. Okay, I was going to ask you, because I always ask, like, what? when did you start reading romance? What drew, Had you always read it? Had you always been a romance fan? I was, uh, like, she got me hooked on that. And, like, I have to say, if I ever could find that girl again, <laughs> I would just give her the biggest hug because she really started my my love of reading romance. And... I really like, I don't read much of anything else. I read bio like biographies. Right. I find fascinating. But other than that, like I used to read some historical romance right now. I'm kind of hooked on Ruby Dixon's, uh, her sci-fi romances. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like when some, when I first heard about that, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to read that. But then I was curious and I did. And now I'm like, like a crack addict. <laughs> as soon as she has anything new, I'm like, don't bother me. I have to read this book. <laughs> so do you happen to remember what the first romance book you read was I always love to know if people remember it I don't it was like okay. like old-timey like Harlequin like with the white cover with like the circle in the middle with yeah couple and like the tragic embrace of some sort <laughs> it was probably like a chic kidnapping somebody like I don't know how that was such a popular thing for so long but there it is it. Yeah. The first romance so that I really remember like hooking me and I still to this day will go back and reread it is Sandra Brown's uh, 22 Indigo Place. Ah. Oh, if they would just re-release that so I could have that in ebook because my paperback copy is just worn down. <laughs> <laughs> the book has been just abused over the years. It's falling <laughs> apart, but... That is my favorite. I got to meet her. Really? In, yeah, at uh, RT convention in Dallas. Oh, wow. Like meeting the queen. Like I sort of like shook her hand and like bowed a little bit. Like, oh my God, you have no idea. Like <laughs> so did you, so, so when did you start writing romance? Like, like, right, like for a job, you know? I mean, you started publishing in 2011, but you probably have been writing for longer than that. I was writing for longer than that. I'd have to say sometime around 2004, 2005, mm -hmm. I was writing it more for my own enjoyment. Right. You know, did you ever hear the phrase, if you can't find the book you, you want to read, right. write it? Yeah. And so I was doing that and I was doing freelance writing for like some travel sites and for like a local newspaper, but none of that gave me any, any joy like writing the romance does. Right, right. So... I had, I had written a couple of things and like I was submitting to agents and publishers and anybody that I could. And I got so many rejections that I was like, maybe I suck at this and I should just stop. <laughs> but oh God, I, 60 books later. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was teaching creative writing uh, to homeschoolers because I had homeschooled my older son okay. from third grade through, through graduating high school and I continued uh teaching creative writing classes after he had graduated and all of my students were self-publishing like I had no idea that was even a thing 
And they were the ones that encouraged me. They were like, why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is why I said I'm old. <laughs> so wait, look, so you did, you hit USA Today, you hit New York Times, you got a Hallmark deal. And this is all on self-publishing? Um, not all of it, no. Okay. Uh, the, actually, New York Times and US, USA Today were, uh, were indie stuff. Okay. Um, the, uh, the New York Times was actually a box set. So oh, I know a lot of people doesn't, don't really count that, but I'm sorry. No, I was on that, that list. Counts. That you counts. know. And uh, USA, I've hit it as, with both traditional and, uh, and indie. And the Hallmark book started out as an indie book, and my traditional publisher then bought my backlist, okay. but they had nothing to do with that, that movie deal. So cool. And I love throwing that at them because they think like, you know, they were like, that's not going to do anything for you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. They've done nothing to promote that at all. I mean, Hallmark movies are such a thing. Like those Christmas movies are such yeah. a thing. I know. I know. Wow. And, you know, they just weren't impressed with it. And I'm like, I think it's a big deal. I mean, I don't think that it did a whole lot for me book sale wise, but right. it's a very cool thing to have on your resume. Absolutely. I love it. I'm like, I was like, those are my like goals. I mean, I probably, I probably don't quite fit Hallmark. So I'm sort of gunning for lifetime. <laughs> putting that out there in the universe <laughs> but you know what? okay but you want to know something funny about that is the christmas cottage which was the book that, that they made into a movie they that had kind of a lot of sex in it like still the fade to black but there was a lot of sexual stuff they changed it completely so it's almost like it's not my book right and but I just roll with it because, again, it's it's a cool thing to yeah, say. It's just fun. I know. And, you know, I had um, I, I, I also write urban fantasy and that and years ago, like when I first when the first book came out, I actually did have an option going um, and and I was working with the filmmaker to kind of like talk through things. And, you know, and I just was like, like, I appreciated him, including me in on those on this on everything. But I, but I was like this is your medium and this is right. my first one and you just take it and you go with it because by the end of our conversation, it was like months and months and months. These things take a long time. I was like, I have no idea whose book that is. Cause it's not mine. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. It was, it was very funny. Cause I had like all my family over the night that I didn't even get, to, I didn't get to go to the set. I didn't get an advanced copy like screening or anything. So I saw it live when everybody else was seeing it live and you know, everybody was so excited. You know, we had a little party and everything. The next morning I got up and my dad had spent the night and it was just the two of us at the kitchen table having coffee. And he goes, okay, there's nobody here now. What did you think? I said, that wasn't my book. Oh, wow. I said, you know, there was so much, but they changed their careers. They changed the location. And like I said, just the fact that they don't kiss until like the last 30 seconds of the movie. You know, <laughs> that's that's Hallmark, though. That's like that's their thing. Right. Yes. Like that's kind of like, oh, yeah. OK, I see that. But yeah, I totally get it where you're just like, wow. Yeah, this isn't my movie. This isn't my book. <laughs> like, what did you like about the book? <laughs> so, OK, so how come romance? Like what what drew you to the genre? 
everything. There is just everything about it. It just spoke to my heart. Like, you know, I was an awkward kid. You know, I was chubby until like halfway through middle school. I didn't have a boyfriend until like, you know, 12th grade, you know, I, so I didn't date. I was always like a little, felt a little bit like, like I was never going to find any boy that was going to want to date me sort of a thing. And yeah. And so reading romance, you know, you saw that like, that it is out there, like everybody could fall in love and it just, the emotional roller coaster of it, like, you know, that there's going to be a happily ever after, but like, there are still times when you're like, oh my God, I don't know if this couple's going to make it. I don't I know, because you know, you know, of course they are. That's what makes it a romance. But when you are sort of like going through it and you're just like, because there are those moments where I'm reading a romance and I go, oh, how is he going to redeem himself after this? And then he it, does. You know, <laughs> my God, it's amazing. I think more men should read it so they would know how to get out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> That's not wrong. Right. <laughs> not wrong at all <laughs> you know I love the conflict I love I love seeing the the growth of the characters um just everything about it and it's so hard to just pinpoint one thing I just love the emotional journey you know like that to me like because a good romance will have you like riding that wave like with every chapter you know like oh my god is it gonna happen like how is this gonna work out you know I can't read something that's just straight across the board. Like there's nothing that makes your heart beat a little bit fast. You know, I want to, I want to feel, I want to, I want to feel that connection. I want to feel, I want to feel the despair. I want to feel the hope, you know? Right. Just right. love it all. Okay. <laughs> and you feel that in your books. <laughs> because I was like, I was like, you know, can't help falling in love, which we're going to talk about um, because that is the scene that you sent me. And so I started reading it and I was like, and then I was like, and it's like getting later and later and later and later. And I'm like, I can't go to bed yet. I can't go to bed yet. I'm not ready to go to bed yet. I'm not going to bed because it was, it was really was this journey where, um, you know, I'm looking at these two characters and, and. I'm like, I don't see how they can get together because they are at two very, very different points um, of, of their lives, really. Right. And you go, well, how, you know, not only are they these different points, they, you know, she lives someplace else. Violet, Violet lives, she's just visiting. Hunter right. is rooted there. Um, you know, and, and then and then they get together and it's like, and you're like, but they are, they want such different things. And where is the compromise going to come in for these two characters? And it's funny because you you love both of them and you're rooting for both of them too. And you want them to get together, but it becomes this, I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if this here is possible. Right. Yeah. Right. They were just, they were probably like the hardest ones, like, because they real I made them so opposite. Yeah. You know, and, and it really meant somebody was going to have to majorly compromise to make that work. And they gave me fits. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me fits because, you know, I think a lot of times in a situation like that, you know, you want to see the hero be the one that compromises and that like he'd pick up his life and follow her. Right. But series is magnolia sound and like i wanted him to i want them all to be there and like the, in that town in that setting but you don't want violet to lose herself 
Right. You know, so yeah, it was it was wild to get them to their happily ever after. So okay, so I'm gonna sort of like dig before we like really dig into the scene. I'm mm-hmm. curious, like to you, what makes an intimate scene good? Oh my goodness, I think the couple has to really have time to like know each other. You know, you have to you have to have I think like a little bit of each other's backgrounds going in, like so that there's something meaningful there. Not to say that just like hot sex, just like springing up on the page, (laughs) you know, isn't appreciated from time to time. But I think for a truly intimate scene, you, you need the slow build, even if it's just a slow build in that scene. It doesn't have to mean that the slow build throughout the whole story. I just think like you have to make it like, you have to set the scene. You have to set the stage for them so that it isn't just like, I want you, yeah, I want you too. And like, bam, you're like, you know, in the bed or on the counter or wherever, you know. (laughs) I like the dialogue that leads up to it. I I like the sex to be fun on the page for them. You know, there's a little bit like, you're not that far gone that you can't like, like have like a little snarkiness or a little teasing or it just all has to be, there's got to be a build to it. So, I mean, we're going to kind of go back a, a ways when I'm going to ask you, like, for writing your first one, <laughs> what was that like? It was horrible. Oh! <laughs> it was horrible. I felt like the story was just, like, flowing, and then it's like, yeah, and they're going to have sex, and then it's like, oh, they're going to have sex. <laughs> How much do I say? Like, what do I, you know, and that really became a big thing for me, like, how much do you say? How descriptive do you get? What is the correct terminology so that like you're not... A few years after, I'm gonna flip here for a second. A few years after I had written my first book, I was co-writing uh, a series with Noelle Adams. Okay. And I, like she was writing all the female point of view. I was writing all the male point of view. And we wanted to be sexier because we had both been a little bit on the sweeter side, but this series, we wanted to be sexier. And anytime that I wrote sex scenes, she would come back and say, you really can't use that phrase because then it becomes more like it's erotica. And I was like, okay. okay. So like you couldn't, she was like, you can't say cock or you can't say pussy because then that puts you in more of an erotic category. And I was like, fully agree with that but I didn't realize I didn't I didn't that wasn't something that I was kind of aware of but that's a really interesting it was it's and it's something that has stayed with me so even even in the few books that I have that I that I do get descriptive I'm still very careful about what words I use because I don't want anybody to be like oh my god this is Samantha Chase is writing erotica what (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the words, you know, are are tricky, right? Like those words are tricky because you don't want to be the romance writer that is writing these ridiculous euphemisms, like exactly. my flowerful basket or what, <laughs> whatever it might be, you know, because we all have baskets of flowers in our pants. I mean, <laughs> like we don't want that. <laughs> I'm going to use that sometime. (laughs) 
in a book or just in general? Just in general, I may use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So coming up with the words, you know, and I know particularly, I mean, you know, for people that don't know your work, which is like probably two people, um, <laughs> that you write, it's funny because, you know, when I approached you initially to do this, you're like, are you sure you want me? You know, the doors are closed. It's fade to black. And I'm like, yeah, because this, you know, this is part of the writing romance experience. And also you aren't exactly clean. Like there's a lot going on in your books that are actually quite steamy, even if you don't get down to the deed. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I feel like, honestly, once you get to the deed, there really isn't a whole lot that you need to describe. I mean, like, we all know what's happening. I mean, I think more of the knowing about the leading up to the deed is what most people want. Right. You know, like, I think anybody, whether you're going to, whether you really want to read the deed or not, like, everybody could appreciate leading up to the deed. Right. You know, right. and I've had a lot of readers say, like, they tend to gloss over once the deed is happening because they just feel like, hey, okay, that's not really progressing the story in any way. Like we got to that point. Like, I don't need to hear about how many times, you know, he's in and out. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of any better wording on that. <laughs> that's like little TMI. Right? We don't need to know that, but you're absolutely right because what draws us to romance is really going to be like that emotional impact. And that emotional impact doesn't ne necessarily come from the physical act. Right. But it, I mean, it can, depending on how you write it. Right. You know, but I think a lot of it, it's just the emotional feeling building up to that. And then how it is after it, like right. when you're in bed afterwards and you know, like what's going on in your head and what kind of a dialogue do you have? And, you know, it's harder for me to write it now because I've been married for 30 years. Like, you know, there's nothing new happening. <laughs> you know, like, after, after such, you know, we could be like talking about like, Hey, you know, there's a sale at chop meat at the supermarket. Like we want burgers. <laughs> you know, that's not romantic. You know? No, it's not. That's life. I mean, right. nobody true. wants to read about that, <laughs> but the emotional part of it, I think is what more readers want. You know, and like I said, I have a few books that that have fully descriptive sex scenes and they're my lower selling books. Really? Yeah. And I don't know how readers know that beforehand, but it just seems like those books are always like my bottom sellers. So, I mean, you probably you clearly made a conscious decision to fade to black here. And what drove that decision? Was it just <laughs> I really I'm not comfortable writing the scenes. I don't really? feel like I write them well. You know, like to me, like I could write 5,000 words in a day. Okay. Like on a good day when the story's flowing, I can write 5,000 words in a day. If I get up to a sex scene, I can write five words in a day. And it's just like every word of it is like, oh, this is painful. You know, and then he put this, and then I have to like get up and walk away. You know, like That's it just feels awkward. Funny. Cause I'm the same way, actually. I will just storm through a thousand words in an hour, hour and a half. I will just storm through it when I get to that intimate scene it, it is like a dead stop on my writing yeah. um you know and I have a I have a writing partner well not really partner we, we just like sort of check in with each other all day and talk about how are you doing and you know right. and so we'll I'll, on my check-in I'm like I'm writing one of those scenes again and she's like oh so you have what 200 words I'm like all morning yeah. 
Yeah. It's insane. And I found I was making myself crazy, like to try and put this stupid seat on the page, but it worked just as well without being descriptive, you know, and I got to plow forward and delve into more aspects of their relationship. And, you know, but most of my books have a lot of fade to black scenes, like in an individual story, like, so there is sex, just not not telling you all about it you know well let me okay I'm gonna dig into the scene um because since we're sort of like in there anyway oh my god so hard we (laughs) we're in there (laughs) see what I did there Uh, (laughs) this podcast is so fun (laughs) I love that you're doing this oh thank you so okay can you set up this scene a little bit for us first before we just go okay so so hunter is a single dad at the beginning of the book his ex-wife sort of like leaves town like doesn't tell him that she's leaving town like they've got this three-year-old son and they've been sharing custody and so now he's having to figure out how to be like this full-time primary caregiver and he swears that he has no time for dating but then he meets violet and she's visiting a friend in town and they have a connection. And so he, he knows like, it's not a smart idea for him to get involved right now. Cause he doesn't, he has like literally no time to himself and, you know, but he's really drawn to her. So they finally get a night to themselves and like they've, they've kissed a few times before and like, they know that the attraction is there, but he invites her to his house for the sole intention of that they're going to spend the night together. So like, he tells her in advance to like bring an overnight bag. Like this is happening. So like planned sex, you know, you know, it's not always the most romantic thing, but these are the circumstances. Right. So they're having their dinner and like, you you know, that they're both just like, this is going through the motions. Like we've just got to eat this dinner and then we can get on to what we really want, (laughs) you know? And so he, he sort of brings up a really like depressing topic, not, purposely and so like they both have to like get back on track and like get out of like this depressing conversation mode and move on to what they want and Violet's a take charge kind of gal and she's just sort of like okay let's let's do this let's talk about let's talk about like what kind of bed you have sort of thing you know (laughs) okay they're talking about um, when we right before with this scene that we've come up to. Violet is a uh, travel agent. We should add, and so um, she sort of throws something out there about like uh, you know, oh, you don't have a big travel budget. She says to him something as a single right. dad because she's like, when's the last? Where'd you go on vacation last? And then she's like, oh, you're a single dad. You probably don't travel. Have a big budget, you know. And this was sort of interesting because he. This is where they're different. Like she loves traveling, and he's a homebody, and he wants to stay in Magnolia sound and he doesn't see the point like he's just perfectly happy where he is right so I which I was just like oh wow like that's where you go how are they ever going to get over this okay mm-hmm. so, so now he's asking her like well what about you you know and she says three months ago I went to check out a new resort in Denver it's one of those all-inclusive spas the views were amazing the services they offered were off the chart and the food was top-notch they probably had the most comfortable bed I've ever slept in she gave him a come hither smile before adding, so far. Slowly, Hunter pushed his plate away. I'm a firm believer in a quality mattress. Pausing and resting his arms on the table, he lowered his voice just a touch. 
that's why I spent more on mine than anything else in the house. I'm very particular about my bed. One dark brow arched at him. I'm intrigued, Mr. Jones. But, you know, I can't possibly take your word for it. I'm going to have to try it out for myself. Would I lie to you, Violet? He asked silkily. Okay. <laughs> it is so weird hearing my words read back to me. <laughs> <laughs> we are moving into some seriously hot territory here, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in my closet. <laughs> I mean, this setup is seriously smoking. Like, it really is. And a lot is hanging on to this moment because you do close the door. Like, there, so there has to be a lot happening here. And I'm sort of curious, like, what's your process with this? I don't think I really have one. It, it's sort of where the characters are leading me. Like, okay. every, in all these books, I could say, like, they're all a little bit different in that aspect. Like, I try not to be too formulaic. Right. That's the right word. Um, you know, but for them, like... You know, at this point, you still think that this is just a casual relationship going into it. So, like, you have to keep it casual, playful, you know, sort of a thing. And I don't know. I don't, like, it's normally just character-driven where I see them going. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a lame, that's a lame description because it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about. But well, are, you, are you a plotter or a pantser? Oh, I'm a pantser. You are. I'm a total panther. Anytime that I have plotted anything, the final product is nothing like what I've plotted. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. When when I was traditionally published with source books, all of my books, I had to give them at least a, a like a couple of paragraphs of what the book was going to be about. But it was so general that I had a lot of freedom then when it came time to actually write the book. Right. When I wrote co-wrote the books with Noel we plotted things out chapter by chapter. And so it was like a no brainer, but it was the back and forth, you know, like it was just easier to do that. But on my own, I just, it's really just character driven. The book I'm writing right now is making me want to kill myself because these characters are not talking to me and I'm on a schedule and I'm like, damn it, people, let's move. I know I actually had one of those days today and I think part of it is because I'm having a bit of an opposite day, you know, so which throws me if I'm out of my writing schedule like that'll completely throw me. So I'm like, you know, just be kind to yourself and hope you can get to your writing, you know, get your words in later this afternoon. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, digging into the next next bit over here. So (laughs) at the door to his room, she dropped his hand and slowly walked over to his bed. Next, she made a bit of a show running of running her hand along the comforter and pushing down on the mattress to check the firmness before turning to face him it all looks good so far she said her voice taking on that husky quality that he was coming to love and it will look even better when you're sprawled out on it he said advancing on her when he reached her he cupped her face in his hands and simply leaned in and kissed her like he'd been dying to since she'd got here okay this is foreplay this is Totally foreplay. And we're kind of moving, we're moving into dirty talk here. Yeah. You know, and this is what I found was so fascinating in this scene and in your writing is that, you know, especially with the other authors that I've interviewed that I've talked to on this podcast and myself included, we're all kind of in this agreement that like dirty talk during our intimate scenes is just so awkward to us, which is hilarious because we're writing about like, you know, cocks going here and pussies going, you know, and all of that. And, 
And yet we're like, we can't seem to get the intimate talk down, right? And whereas I'm sort of finding the opposite, like your dirty talk, and it's not even like explicit. Exactly. it It is dirty talk, which is really... I mean, honestly, I'm learning a lot from in terms of my own writing. Because um, I felt like like this particular scene, I was like, this is a master class on how to do it. Oh, my goodness. You are incredibly sweet <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I guess this, to me, is all part of the emotional aspect that you need to have, you know? And I, you can't say that all women need that emotional connection, because some don't but my heroines do, right. you know, and there has to, to me, that that is something that has to happen in these scenes. Like there has to be a little bit of talking. You have to know what's, what's coming, you know, and how they both feel about it. And I don't know, like, that's just one of my favorite parts to do. Yeah. It's I, just getting them then onto the bed sometimes that I get like, you know, how much, how, again, how descriptive do you get? You know, how right. much is happening? So but I can keep them talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, this is a long one, so everybody brace, okay? I've got a long one going on here. Kissing his way back up to her lips, he forced himself to raise his head. In my mind, I envisioned us having dinner. He placed a light kiss on her cheek and then having dessert, another kiss, and then slowly making our way in here and another. But, she prompted, nipping at his earlobe as he continued peppering her face with tiny kisses. But I underestimated the effect of having you naked beneath me. I'm not naked, she said huskily, biting his ear teasingly, yet. Groaning, Hunter rested his forehead against hers. Next time, he said, his voice low and gruff as one hand wandered down to her hip to toy with the edge of her panties. Next time, I swear to go slow, but right now, Hunter, hmm? You had me at next time. She grimmed up at him before raking her hands into his hair and bringing his lips back to hers. And damn if he wasn't already looking forward to it. Okay, so I'm assuming this is our fade to black moment here. Yep, that's it. (laughs) How do you know when to fade to black? Like, that's sort of like where I was going. Like, I was like, how do you know? Like, how do you know when this is enough, when you've had enough? And I know it's probably hard to say, but I, I was really curious about that. Um... For me, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get to the point where it would have to be like, now he's got to get a condom and now they have to, you know, like that part of the act. Like, I don't want to have to get too descriptive with that. Like that part I'm not, I'm just not comfortable with. So I kind of feel like right before they're ready to get to that level, that's when I'm ready to stop writing it. Like I'm just at that point, I'm a little cringy if I go beyond like, you know, Right when they're about to say, let's do this, then I'm like, yeah, good, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Writer's job is over. (laughs) That's right. I'm out, you guys. Have fun. (laughs) I mean, as a reader, do you do you tend to gravitate towards more explicit works? Or or as a reader, are you sort of in the you know, you prefer the fade to black as a reader? Um, I think I tend to read a little bit steamier than what I write. Okay. I, I really, really do. And I don't know if that's a like a conscious decision or something like, you know, it's just something that years ago I read a lot of like Jill Chalvis, Kristen Higgins, Susan Mallory, you know, and they're descriptive, but not, not like erotic descriptive. Right. I would not consider any of them. So I'm comfortable with that. And like, or like the, remember the, the Harlequin or silhouette desire line. Do you remember that? Kind of, yeah. I think that, I think that they're still going, but like, 
that was like my jam for a lot of years. Like that was like the I read those religiously, and they've gotten sexier to me over the years, like a little more descriptive over the years. But um, I enjoyed writing reading it. I just can't write it. <laughs> but again, I you know I it's not you're not sweet romance. Like that's sort yeah. of like the like that's not what you're writing here. You're just choosing to close the door. And yet yeah, people don't know where to what to do with me. Like, um, I don't get a lot of offers to like um, participate in group projects like box sets and, and all that because people look at me and think, oh, you're too sweet for what the rest of us are doing. But then I'm not dirty enough to be with the sexier authors. So it's sort of like I'm right there in the middle. and Nobody knows what the hell to do. Right. Because, well, I mean, I could see, no, I could see you fitting into with like sort of more explicit books. Like you could completely, completely fit. I would say absolutely not to the sweet romance writers because then yeah. you're moving into the more sort of Christian romance territory. And this would be a bit shocking, I think, to their readership. Right. I had gotten asked to be part of a, a sweet romance group where it was like sweet small town romances. And it was, that's how it was pitched to me, like sweet small town. So I was like, okay. And then we started talking and then they started throwing out the phrases clean and wholesome. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I said, no, I said, no. I said, then you've got the wrong person. And I got, they forgot to remove me from the last group email. <laughs> and it was pretty much like, yeah, I had to ask Samantha to leave because she has a potty mouth. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Did you really respond to that or were you just like <laughs> I just I didn't respond and I just I, it makes me laugh every time I think about it because I'm like anybody that reads my books I mean it's not really a potty mouth you know? no, but it, well it's great you should I would have re replied all with a few choice f-bombs I mean yeah. like <laughs> sorry you had to clutch your fucking pearls I mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I'm really like I'm almost like a like a like a woman without an island you know what I mean like there's no place that, that I firmly fit in with and with e I don't fit in with either end of the spectrum there right. you know I'm in the middle and readers enjoy it but like in order to network with people it's a lot harder yeah so I'm curious why did you pick this scene what what's your what do you love about it? Is it the carrot? Like why this one? It was the banter. It was banter. just the whole. I really liked Violet. I mean, she was yeah. just she was just a very, uh, she was complex. You know, like in like just her, her life has been so hard, and yeah. you know, like she needed somebody like Hunter, and just the two of them, like they they for as opposite as they were, they were two people that really needed each other. Yeah, you know, and honestly, like be because there were so many sex scenes to choose from, that one just stood out to me just because it's it was one of the more recent ones. But just I loved the banter, the connection between them, how they went from having this awkward dinner conversation to being able to switch gears and get back to where they wanted to be. Yeah, you know, that to me was there was a little bit of that roller coaster right there, like wow, he is really messing up this dinner. Like, he's just, he should not speak. <laughs> but it's kind of been like, he kind of was messing up a lot through the book. Like, and he didn't even mean to. Exactly. He was just clueless. And yeah. I think as frustrating as I know that makes a lot of readers sometimes, that's a fact. There are just 
a lot of men are just clueless that they don't realize the things, how the things that they say or the things that they do make their life so much more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, okay. So this is part of Magnolia Sound series yes. and this is, and you have Last Beautiful Girl coming out September 28th, which is also part of the same series, correct? Yes. Yes. Talk, tell me about, let's talk about Last Beautiful Girl. What is that about? That's oh, a great last, title. Last Beautiful Girl, I'm very excited about. Like, this was a story that, like, it came to me a while ago. And uh, actually, it started because of a Property Brothers episode. Oh, really? Yes. This, is, this shows you a little bit of the crazy writing process. So this Property Brothers episode was that uh, was a young mother, she, like, her husband had died, like, and they're son was like a baby when her husband died very suddenly very tragically and you know there's jonathan you know doing his home renovation for her and you know fixing up her house and every once in a while i just felt like there was there was a nice little vibe between them like obviously nothing ever happened before but i was like that's a cute little vibe and i got it in my head that i wanted to write a story that with something to that effect like that you had this single mom with the you know, with like a small child and like whatever reason that this contractor is going to be there helping her like as some sort of like community good deed, like that she was somebody that the whole community was helping out. And as I started writing it, I backtracked several times and I decided I wanted it to be a second chance romance. Oh, okay. okay. So Sydney and Kyle had dated in high school. And when she went away to college, like they, they'd broken up when she went away to college because he didn't want her to go. She really wanted to do this. They were on two completely different paths, which is a very common reason why people break up. So fast forward 12 years, she comes back to Magnolia Sound because her sister and brother-in-law have died in a car accident. And she now has custody of her 12-year-old niece. Okay. Oh. So it's a very dark story for them, like going right. in. So before they died, her sister and brother-in-law had bought like this money pit of a house that was just oh, no. <laughs> like, everything bad that could be in a house was in this house. And the community is rallying to help her because they know that here's a young girl who's lost her parents, you know, and her aunt's coming back to raise her. And so the community is going to help her and they want to, they want to fix up this house for her. And Kyle is the contractor who gets put on this job to come and take care of fixing up this house and there's a lot of animosity in the beginning and there's still a lot of hurt feelings and he's just a complete doofus he's another one that like says all the wrong things at all the wrong times but he's also the one that like helps her niece like get over some of her her grief and like you know helps bring her he makes her laugh he encourages her to do things and you know, because his character, because he's, he's Hunter's brother from Can't Help Falling in Love. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So okay. There. And they had lost their mom at a young age. So he's able to relate to this young girl, like as somebody who's lost a parent, you know, he could talk to her, you know, he understands what she's going through and he helps Sydney realize, okay, everything that your niece is doing, like this is all part of the grieving process. Right. So it's about them reconnecting and like getting over old hurts and just when you think like that they're going to be able to work everything out of course it can't be that easy you know so <laughs> oh my god 
I'm excited for this yeah. one, especially like now it was like Kyle, of course, ding ding, like of course that's Hunter's brother who we meet. Um, in uh, blah, 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 I'm sort of like in and can't help falling in love. How could I? How could I space that? I'm like. <laughs> The brain. Um, so I mean, because and he was such a great sort of side character in that. So it's really great that he's getting like he's getting his own. He was funny because you know he's the youngest in the fan, like the youngest brother in the family, because he's got there are three brothers and a sister. So Kyle's the youngest brother, okay, and he's just sort of like the type of guy who just sort of like skirts through life, just you know. It's all about him, you know. He doesn't have any real responsibilities, and he's watching his brothers like fall in love and get married. And he's like, "Why would you do that?" You know, like. But you realize going into his story that the reason why he's he's like that is because Sydney was the girl that broke his heart, and he never wanted to go down that road again because he didn't want to get hurt again. Right. So it was just easier to to be a player and sort of you know do that sort of thing rather than risk it again. But he's willing to risk it again for Sydney. How many how many books are in Magnolia Sound? Right now it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Last Beautiful Girl will be technically the eighth. The eighth. And are you are you going to continue? Yes. With the series? Do you know? I mean, I'm very curious with the series. Do you know, or are you just going to keep going, or do you right. have an end in mind? I kind of have an end in mind, but like there are easily four more books that I want to write in it. Right. So. Um, actually, and after Last Beautiful Girl, the the book that comes out in January is already planned, and that's Magnolia Sound as well. So, okay, you know, I took a little bit of a break from it this year to do a to do a road tripping uh, trilogy, which I was super excited about, but nobody got to travel this year, so people were bitter about anything about traveling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the first book dropped on the day that like the world shut down, so <laughs> sort of like. It's not a successful series. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You can revitalize that when they yes. say go back on the road. You can, yes. you can revisit that one. That's always it, the nice thing about being in control of our own careers, you know. Yes, I love that. Right? Oh, my gosh. That is the best part of it. Yeah, it really is. But, yeah, I mean, the timing of things. I know my next book in the series um, had to delay it by a couple of weeks. And... Right. Um, and now I'm going out on election week. Oh, yeah. Which I'm a little like, but, you know, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing to do with the election. I write, you know, I write fantasy, you know, come, I write escapism, you know, come, come escape. Cause I think we're all going to need it by the Friday. <laughs> yes. This is what I'm saying. Like, I, I understand like the logic why a lot of people are like, oh, you don't want to release during that time. I think people need that distraction. So yeah. at that point, I just think mm -hmm. we're going to need something to sort of like get away from it all. And, you know, cause it's, a, it's like, yeah. And it's been a tough year. It's definitely been a really tough year. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I think about all the events that were canceled, like, you know, so many things I was supposed to travel to and, you know, I have more swag in my closet than I know what to do with because I was supposed to be at all these events and now it's all just sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> I have 500 road tripping koozies, can koozies, you know. So with your, so Property Brothers was the inspiration, like where else do you find it? I mean, it's obviously not on, you know, 
home home run of shows. <laughs> you know, I am addicted to HGTV, so Sorry. a lot come from that. More than I'm more than I'm comfortable admitting to. <laughs> it really comes from anywhere, and you know, as a writer, sometimes even just reading somebody else's book, you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, that's interesting." Like, this would be my take on it. You know, like without being blatantly like copying anybody, but like you, know, you get a concept, you get an idea, like. Um, sometimes it's, it's movies, you know, like you just like, a, like a theme of something, you know, um, I have one of the, a new series that I'm going to be doing next year, which I haven't announced to anybody yet, but I just will say this a little bit is based on like, uh, on when you were sleeping while you were sleeping, Sandra Bullock's movie. I love that old movie. Yes. Old. Well, oh while you were sleeping. Yeah. While you were sleeping. And I just, I love that concept. You know, like that to me is just fun and you can put many different spins on that. So I love those, those like nineties rom-coms with Sandy Bullock and like, you know, those I think were like, sort of like, that was sort of romance movie magic back then. Yes. They don't do those well anymore. They no. really don't. No, they don't. And I, I don't know whether it's just not as big of a box office, you know, success for them, but, or people are finding more of those on Hallmark or on Lifetime, or on Netflix, you right, know? Like, right. Netflix, I think, really has done a fantastic job of bringing back, like, you know, the rom-com sort of thing. Yeah, or did you did you um, watch their Virgin River uh, series? The, the... I did not. It's really good. They did a really good job with that. Really? Yeah, they did a really good job. I was like, oh, ooh! <laughs> It was what it was true. It was really wonderful. They did a great job. Did you read the books? I didn't, but okay. I did after I watched the series because I liked it so much. <laughs> Were so, they true to the books? Well, I don't know. They're still queued up on my sidetracked. I mean, part okay. of it is a little hard. Um, as a writer, like, do you read while you're writing? Yes, you do. I do. Yeah. Sometimes I need it. My husband laughs at me. He's like, how could you go from staring at the computer screen all day writing to then going upstairs to bed and sitting there with your Kindle in your hand and reading? Right. I said, because sometimes it's nice to hear other characters talking. Otherwise, I stay in my own head with my story and it just frustrates me or it just, you know, I need to just separate myself from it, you know? And like I said, Ruby Dixon, damn. Like, I've read about seven of her books in the last week week and a half oh you're a f- you you're 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 a romance you are a true romance reader you really devour books very I, quickly i do and they're just fun they're just they're just these these fun very sexy you know blue alien guys you know like sort of a thing which i never would have pre- like thought that i would read that but it's like crack can't stop I'm going to take, I'm going to look at this because I never was like, I was always kind of like alien romance. I don't know about that. But if you're recommending, I'm going to give this a shot. Her Ice Planet by Barbarians. Oh, I like that title. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had heard about that. I did a signing at, uh, at Nora Roberts uh, bookstore in Maryland and, uh, and I stayed at her bed and breakfast and the innkeeper was telling me about these books and I laughed. I'm like, come on, nobody really writes that sort of stuff. She's like, I'm telling you, she goes, I can't put them down. And I got snowed in in Maryland and I decided, all right, I'll check this out. And then I 
I texted the, the innkeeper and I was like, damn you. <laughs> no, I can't stop. I love it. All right, I'm going to give that a shot. I'm totally going to give it a shot. And let me know what you, what you think because it's crazy how much I love them. <laughs> Alien romance. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's totally do it. Why not? <laughs> so, Samantha, where can readers find you? I am everywhere. I am on Facebook. My Facebook page is uh, Samantha Chase Fan Club. And I really wish I could change that name. But in the very beginning, I had an assistant who set everything up. And like every time I have to say Samantha Chase Fan Club, I feel a little bit dorky. But <laughs> but there is that. I'm on Instagram as Samantha Chase Romance and Twitter, which I'm not on as much anymore. Like, yeah, I'm not even. Yeah, Samantha Chase 3 there. and But I am all over Facebook. Okay. Probably can't throw a stick without hitting me somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And Samantha's website is chasing-romance.com, which I think is fantastic. Look at that Thank best you. last name. <laughs> you know, my, my older son came up with that, like, as a fluke. And he's like, Samantha Chase. He's like, you write romance. He's like, you get, you know, you combine the two. And I was like, that was brilliant, child. Somebody must have homeschooled you well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our kids are magic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. I love it's coming from your son. Yeah. You know, know, he's still, I think, like, in his mind, he's still like that 12-year-old boy who's just like, I think my mom writes porn. And it's like, no, child, not all romance is porn. Okay? Some of it very clearly is, but not all of it. (laughs) You know? So, he's adorable. Yeah. Samantha, thank you so much for doing this. I am such an uh, honor and a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I hope that I didn't ramble too much because I feel like, you know. (laughs) Not at all. It was super fun. We'll have to do this again. Yes, we will. We will find other topics to talk on. (laughs) (laughs) We should have, we should have like a, like a round table thing with, with all the different heat levels and like, you know. That's actually a really great idea. That's a really true idea. Then I won't have to see them glaring at me or looking at me with like I'm weird when I say that I fade to black. <laughs> but I don't understand where that would come from. Yeah. That weirdness. I don't get it. it. It's I'm I'm telling you, it gave me such a complex. You know, they're like, I use all the words. She uses none of the words. And I'm like, what does it matter? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like we're we're still st- stimulating. <laughs> like there's still a stimulation there. Like I said, I'm reading your stuff, and I am like, yeah, okay. So it's not we're not seeing the penis entering the vagina. Like we're not seeing that. But we, as I'm reading it, I didn't feel like it was necessary to see that. Like it was still very. <clears throat> satisfying to read those moments because you knew where it was going and it had the same emotional impact you know what i what i find interesting on on the whole thing is that like i've heard from a lot of authors who write very sexy romances wishing that they could write less sex because it is it is hard to to do that in every book Mm -hmm. and they get a lot of pushback from readers once they start writing less sex you know less descriptive sex but you very rarely hear of like a, a sweeter author saying, man, I really wish that I could put like, you know, more dick on the page, you know, like, you know, 
<laughs> you know, I never heard it in the reverse, but it's normally like the sexier writer saying, I wish that I can or that I could write less sex, but my readers, this is what they, this is what they want. Right. So I don't know. Well, I mean, so, I don't feel, I didn't feel like I was missing anything with Thank yours. You. So I really loved reading it and read and love the characters. So yeah. So <laughs> Samantha Chase, if you haven't already, um, check out Last Beautiful Girl. That's releasing on 9-28. Um, I don't know. We The podcast might be out a little bit later than your release date. So it might already be out there for people who want to grab it. I would love that. <laughs> Samantha, thank, uh, Samantha, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.